0: Welcome to the first Yorkshire Inside podcast. I'm Lori Darnell here with Michelle Young from Yorkshire's admin team with our guest and very experienced and talented preschool teacher, Sue Ogle. The topic of today's podcast is the power of preschool, episode number one. Hey Sue. Hey Lori, hey Michelle. Thanks for doing our first podcast. Is it fair to say you're a little nervous when asked? Yes, absolutely and very surprised. Well, let's go ahead and just get right into it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you came to Houston, education, family, that kind of thing.
1: Okay, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I went to college in Miami, at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, where I got a BS in education. Uh, my husband's job brought us to Houston uh, in the early 80s, and we have three married daughters, six grandchildren, and I came to uh, Yorkshire uh, after an invitation, really, by the owner, Shirley. Bank. She and Banksy, and I've been years for many years prior to even my coming to Yorkshire. So, Okay, so how long have you been at Yorkshire? This is my 28th year at Yorkshire. That's a long time. That is a long time. Have you always been a preschool teacher? Well, uh, when I first started here at Yorkshire, I was the music teacher, and then I've taught preschool ever since, and then the last several years, I've also been the music teacher in addition for the other preschool classes as well as my own, and also for Miss Lupita's class in Mother's Day Out. Alright, so over Mm -hmm. 28 years you must have seen Mm -hmm. a few changes at Yorkshire. Absolutely, the school is so much bigger than it used to be. In 1991 um, the school just went to second grade and all uh, the campus was just the Yorkshire or the basewood building and the cottage and the what is now known as the memorial building was an Italian restaurant. And about 20 years ago, I believe it was, uh, the school purchased the restaurant and We were able to expand. When I first started here at the school, just went to second grade, and now we have up to fifth grade. And, of course, back in those days, we didn't have the MAP after-school classes, (laughs) and now we do. Uh, This campus is busy before school, after school, every day. It's grown so much. Um, I believe we generally have around 240 students each year, and they come from about 50 countries. And it's just... uh, tremendously bigger than it used to be. I don't know how many students we used to have, I think like 70. Was I think Shirley started it with 80. 80, okay, mm-hmm. 80 students. And that first year it was just mm-hmm. a preschool only. Yeah. Well, Yorkshire's grown a lot, but it's still just the very warm, inviting, joy-filled place that has a real family atmosphere. I absolutely just love it. It feels like family to me, and um, there's a basic philosophy that has existed at Yorkshire since the beginning, and it's still the same today. to instill a love of learning that's gonna last a lifetime. And I think that happens with every student that comes here. All right. So why did you become a preschool teacher? Well, that's pretty easy actually for me because I've always loved children and preschool age children are always so eager to learn. Every situation is a learning experience with young children. They have so much curiosity and a sense of wonder and they still believe in magic. And I have so much fun with them. I love to um, you know, get down on the floor, play with them. And I like to muck around in Play-Doh and paint and sing and dance. And I think I have as much fun as the children do. <laughs> so do you have core tenets that
0: you've held during your teaching career?
1: Well, my philosophy has always been that children need to come first. And our preschool program is geared that way, to meet the individual needs of each child. Our activities are all multi-sensory, hands-on, developmentally appropriate activities and we feel here at Yorkshire that the play is the way children learn best. So that I think a preschool teacher's most important job is to encourage children to play and to use their imaginations. Because that's the way that they're going to build their creativity is by, you know, playing and using their imaginations. We work really hard also to build their social and emotional skills and um, children are not born knowing empathy and really a child doesn't really learn true empathy till around age six so here in the preschool we spend a lot of time helping children to learn to share and take turns and all the other social skills that come along with learning to become a human
0: <laughs> okay so,
1: is, if you had to choose one,
0: the most important element that you've had in your classroom throughout the years, what would it be?
1: Well, I understand that children really need to move in order to learn. The more the children learn, the more their brains are stimulated. When we think about movement, we think of it generally as ways to strengthen people's muscles, to strengthen their gross motor skills. But movement is also helping to strengthen children's brains. Preschoolers at Yorkshire are always on the move in their individual classrooms, as well as outside on our various outdoor learning centers. We have a snug play where the children can move great big pieces of equipment around and um, climb on them. We have our regular playground, which we call the outdoor learning center. Outside of the preschool classes, we have what we call the lily pad. I usually call it our backyard. Mm -hmm. There are, um, there's a, an actual stream out there where children can play in the water and go fishing. We have various types of sensory experiences out there with different sizes of of rocks and stones and sand. We've got our big field where the children can run around. Coach Josh comes every week to do physical uh, education activities with them. In addition, in our classrooms, we're always dancing and singing and moving around a lot. Um, We also do brain gym activities so what's Each Brain Gym? Day. Oh, Brain Gym. Brain Gym is a series of exercises. It helps children to integrate both sides of their brain. We do this by helping them to learn how to cross the midline. We make little X's on our knees. We cross our um, arms on the shoulders. We cross our elbows. We put on our listening ears. We pinch the ears up and down. It helps to relax them. It also helps to increase our focus decrease any stress it's just really helpful the whole school actually does brain gym the uh, preschool is not the only group that does so okay but I make sure to do it every single day at least once sometimes multiple times with my children mm-hmm. All right so what advice would you give to parents of preschoolers specifically? well the parents need to keep in mind that children learn best by interacting with people being active. Getting outside, being physically active, climbing, running, swinging, riding bikes, but they also need lots of time to pretend, engage in creative activities like drawing and painting. I think um, sometimes parents are reluctant to get out play doh and paint at home. Uh, they're reluctant to have them use scissors. Yes, if your child. Is preschooler is using scissors. You have to sit next to them just like we do here at school. You know, we sit right next to the children every time they're using scissors. Um, but these kind of things are so important. It helps to strengthen their finger muscles to use uh, scissors. We use a lot of tweezers and tongs and play doh because the only way they're going to learn how to write is strengthening these muscles. So we do. We have this huge emphasis on. Um, strengthening fine motor skills. So I'd encourage parents to do that at home as well. And, um,
0: yeah.
1: Okay, so do you have any books that you'd recommend for parents to read? Well, every year the preschool's teachers, we study books together um, to study various elements of child development. And the last, the most recent two books we've read were actually about, um, uh, about children's brains. Moving Child is a Learning Child by Gil Connell. I'll repeat that, A Moving Child is a Learning Child, and also A Whole Brain Child by Daniel Siegel, The Whole Brain Child. These books were fascinating, and um, they helped reinforce the types of things I've been talking about and that I think that are so important. The children actually need to move to learn. Uh, 90% of the neurons in our brain are in place by age five, so those preschool years are so crucial If you ever wonder why your child can't sit still, reading these books are going to be helpful for you because they're going to help you to understand why young children act that the way that they do. So I couldn't recommend these books more. They're just great. Okay, so talking about books then, what are your favorite children's books? Oh gosh, that's such a tough tough question. There are so many wonderful ones. I think the most important thing if you're reading to a child is to gear the book to the interest and the age of the listener. Got to look for colorful illustrations that are going to engage the child. If the book has rhymes, you've got to point them out, talk about the rhymes. Rhyming is one of the best ways to help prepare children to learn how to read themselves. And so I think it's easy for parents or anyone to think about reading a book straight through without stopping in the middle of it, but stop in the middle. Point out any rhyming words. Point out any words that you think might be new to a child or that are not familiar. There are a lot of those words even in children's books. Um, also, when you have a new book, hold up the cover and ask the child, what do you think this book is going to be about? You know, what time of day? What season? Or, well, there are a lot of clues often on the cover of a book, of course. And you can ask the child, what do you predict will happen next as you're reading this story? What do you think is going to happen next? Ask questions as you read it. Um, after the book is over, talk about what the story was about. Was there a problem in the book? So many children's books do have protagonists. You know, there are situations where certain characters in the book get into and they've had to figure out how to get out of it. How was the problem solved? Children love to hear the same stories over and over and over again also. That gives them opportunities to retell the story and act it out. These type of uh, activities also help to prepare a child for reading. So, I think you need to take advantage of, you know, thinking of the interest level of your child, the age of your child, and whatever your child's interested in, that's probably going to help to interest your child in the book. I have a lot of favorite authors, a couple I'll just mention Eric Carle, his books are so colorful and uh, so easy for children to enjoy. Uh, another author I love is Jan Brett. She tells a lot of traditional children's stories, and she has them in really, really uh, gorgeous illustrations. And her illustrations will have panels on the sides of the book, where you can predict what's going to happen next and what happened prior to it. So as you read these books, really look closely at the illustrations because I think they'll give you a lot of good ideas for furthering discussion with your child. Um, Here in the preschool, we retell a lot of stories. Um, One that we love to do is um, of course Goldilocks and the three bears. And something to keep in mind Goldilocks doesn't have to be a girl. You know, So if you're acting out this story with your if you have a little boy, um, have Goldilocks be a boy. We do that all the time. And so we act out often with actually children pretending to be the bears but, and Goldilocks. But at home you can use stuffed animals and there are so many opportunities in a book like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. For example, was it a good idea that Goldilocks was out walking in the woods all by herself? Should Goldilocks have knocked on the door and, when no one was home, gone into the house? Now, also think about all the opportunities to talk about math when you're reading something like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. You've got three different sizes of bowls, three different sizes of spoons, small, medium, and large. You've got Mama Bear, Papa Bear, and Baby Bear. They're all different three sizes as well. Which one is the biggest? Which one was the smallest? Which one is the medium-sized? You had hard chairs, soft chairs, chairs that were breakable. You've got beds in three different sizes. So and then what happened when Goldilocks woke up? Do you think the three bears ever saw her again? Well actually maybe they did because there are a lot of different books that you'll find that have variations of the Goldilocks and the three Bears story. There's um stories about the three bears at Halloween, there are three bears in the, sto- in the snow, and sure enough, they come across Goldilocks again. But I'm not so sure that Goldilocks ever came back knocking on their front door again. So anyway, mm. you can, there's just, I could go on and on talking about children's books, but just enjoy it with your child. Cuddle up, have fun, pretend. Sounds good.
0: This has been great information, Sue. I really appreciate it. I think uh, parents will learn a lot. So thank you so much. Thanks also to Michelle Young for handling the technical aspect. And thanks to our listeners. So to learn more about Yorkshire and our podcasts and our blog posts, please visit www.yorkshireacademy.com. And stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you.